Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to the second half of John chapter 18. Uh, John 18, verses 28 through 40 uh, this morning will be our text as we continue here in the Gospel of John. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up to page 1246 in the Pew Bible in front of you. 1,246 there in the Pew Bible in front of you. And as you're opening there, I just want to remind you, this Wednesday night uh, will be our budget 2019 annual budget discussion. So if you want to talk about the budget, that's Wednesday night during business meeting. Uh, and then next Sunday, we'll vote on the budget. Uh, right as soon as the service is over, we'll have a, a vote. And uh, it'll be, it's a really quick business meeting. There's no discussion during church. We just vote so that as many people as possible can vote on the budget. Uh, but if you uh, want to discuss the budget, uh, that will be Wednesday night. Well, if you have your Bibles open, why don't you stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you, beginning in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. And they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. In verse 31, Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. And then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and he told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the truth. And we pray today, God, that we won't skirt the truth, that we won't avoid the truth, that we won't miss the truth. God, but that we would look him square in the eyes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. 
And the life himself is laying down his life willingly. And now the truth himself is on trial before his own countrymen and before Pilate, the pagan. Pilate's question haunts me. What is truth? And if we're being honest, it haunts us too. Pilate's question echoes down every corridor of modern civilization. We have an uneasy relationship with the truth in our culture and in our world. You see, the institutions we used to be able to rely on to help us as arbiters of the truth are either under attack or are eroding from the media the other facets of our government and other parts of our culture and nation, being untruthful is almost expected. We deal every day with a lack of truth and veracity. We forward emails every day and we don't care whether they're true or not as long as they back up what we think or what we say. We hold assumptions tighter than we hold the truth. And not only that, but we also recognize our own religious institutions that used to be arbiters of the truth and bastions of the truth have now been called into question in so many factors and facets of society. From the Catholic Church all the way on to our own denomination, we've had issues with truth-telling. Issues with truth-telling. One of my favorite Winston Churchill quotes is thus, United wishes and goodwill cannot overcome brute facts. Truth is incontrovertible. Panic may resent it. Ignorance may deride it. Malice may distort it. But there it is. There it is. The Lord has told us, I am the truth. The Sanhedrin may try to adjust him. Rome may shortchange him. Pilate may ignore him. But there he is. Indeed, Pilate's question does. It it haunts me. What is truth? You may focus on making Jesus into your own image or maligning his message. But there he is. You may stay caught up in the daily grind, but there He is. You may try to ignore the Lord, but there He is. This morning, I want to show you, I want to demonstrate to you from this text of Scripture, I want to show you three truths to help you evaluate your own relationship with the truth Himself. What is my relationship with the truth this morning? Are you seeing what Jesus' interlocutors missed in this passage of the Bible? Three truths to help you evaluate your relationship with the truths. Three ways that we can miss the truth this morning. I hope it will help each of you. Here's the first point. We miss the truth when we adjust it. We miss the truth when we adjust it. I want to focus during this point on verses 28 through 32. Notice what's said here. 
They led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas, who last time I, I was preaching from John, Caiaphas uh, was in, interrogating Jesus, and now he's being taken to the governor's headquarters. And it was early morning, and they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat Passover. So there's nothing necessarily in the Old Testament that says that you cannot enter a Gentile's house in this, in this context and still eat the Passover. But it seems as if this group of Jewish leaders has read in the various Mishnahs, which are the teachings that sort of surround the Old Testament, that there are all sorts of sort of minute rules on what will and will not defile you. So just to put it really plainly, it will not defile you if you enter a Gentile space that opens up to the sky. So you go in a Gentile's courtyard, you're safe. But if you go into a Gentile's space that has a roof, you're not safe. Garden party, okay. Dinner party, not okay. There are all sorts of minute details on, on, on whether you would be clean or unclean. Now listen, I, I don't say this to malign the Word of God. I, I believe God gave the law as a tutor, but God did not give all these tutors as tutors. He, he gave us the Word. He gave us the Bible, but man tends to add to the truth. We adjust the truth by fixating on man-made rules. We, we miss the truth by fixating on man-made rules. I, I think this is one of our favorite sins in the Bible Belt. I think one of our favorite sins of the Bible Belt is to add commandments. We love to add commandments. I love what Charles Spurgeon once said. He said, I have a hard enough time keeping up with God's Ten Commandments without adding an 11th, a 12th, or a 13th. I think the same is true for each and every one of us. But here's what we do. We actually like to add rules and commandments that are easier for us to keep. Now, I think rather than focusing on the heart of the law, the, the Jews of this day had added these extra rules. And you know, I, I don't know if I can love my neighbor as myself, but I, I sure do know that I can make sure that I don't go past the Gentile's courtyard so that I can stay clean. And I can avoid going through the ceremonies. And I can avoid going through this and avoid going through that. That's why Jesus called the, the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. Because they're so worried about keeping the outside of the cup clean. But, but they, they're not focusing on the inside. And brothers and sisters, do you not see? You, you know, we look at that and say, well, what's the big deal? If you want to be add a couple rules on there. What's the big deal? I, I think this preoccupation with self-righteousness and man-made righteousness blinded God's people from seeing the greatest gift He's ever given them, our Lord Jesus Christ. Because I want you to see, John is so good with irony. He's so good at showing us the irony of these situations. Do you see what John is showing us? They, they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover when the Passover Himself is with them. The, the Paschal Lamb Himself is among them. And so Pilate then is having to go back and forth inside to the Lord and then outside to consult with the Jews. So they, won't enter temp they will not enter Pilate's home, but they will manipulate him and use him to snuff out the light of the world. They don't want to be defiled. 
to eat the Passover. But they're defiling themselves by leading the Son of God to be, to be killed by pagan leaders. I believe that one of the things that kept them from seeing who Jesus was were all the man-made extras they had added to God's Word. We adjust the truth by fixating on man-made rules. But we also adjust the truth by playing loose with the truth. I love how Pilate handles this situation. Now, he's certainly not a righteous man by any means, and he's certainly not uh, being wise or just in this situation, but I at least like that he's sort of mocking these men just a little bit. So Pilate went out inside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? In other words, Pilate had allowed them to have a group of soldiers uh, under his control to go get Jesus, and yet when they come back, they're not just, he, he's not just got this whole thing tied up with a neat little bow for them. He's going to make them work to get this done. And so Pilate says, what charge do you bring against this man? And the answer is a little terse, a little offended by the fact that he would even say this. So they say, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate insults them again. He says, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. In other words, he said, I don't care about this sort of colloquial, local dispute. Y'all just go deal with it. Knowing good and well, I believe, that he, they wanted him to carry out the death penalty. He's sort of reminding them, you can't really do what you want to do. You, you may seem like the big dog on campus, but you're really kind of a mouse on my string." And so he tells them, go, go deal with him with your own laws. And this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. To die because the Jews acknowledged, we cannot kill him. In other words, Jesus is saying he would be killed by the Romans. Why? Because he would be put on the tree. He would be lifted up. They accused Jesus of doing evil. And in so doing, they're adjusting the truth. Because there's no evil that Jesus is actually doing. There's nothing, according to Roman law, that Jesus is doing to make him need to be killed. And so what do they do? They, they, they give him this idea, they give Pilate this idea, at some point or another, that Jesus has made a claim to the throne. They, they accuse him of being an insurrectionist, trying to start a revolution. And so they adjust the truth. They play loose with the truth. And brothers and sisters, as Christians, we must be a people of the truth. If we are going to combat the sort of ideas that are rampant in a post-truth, post-modern world, we must be people who are passionate about the truth. We cannot sink to the level of the world. We must be passionate about the truth. But also... We miss the truth when we adjust it, but also we miss the truth when we shortchange the truth. We miss the truth when we adjust it, but also we miss the truth when we shortchange it. How do we shortchange the truth? I want to look at verses 33, 34, 35, and 36. So Pilate entered his headquarters again, and he called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? In other words, I don't know about your silly little disputes. Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? 
Here I think we see Pilate valuing expediency and pragmatism more than he values the truth. He's more concerned with expediency and pragmatism than he is knowing and doing and loving the truth. In other words, Pilate's just trying to get to the bottom of this and get this thing off his lap. He's he's ready to be done with this situation. I'm sure he's ready for the Passover to be over so he can kind of get back to normal life so he can stop dealing with these disputes. And yet here he is face to face with Jesus. He's rushing the truth. He's trying to hurry through the process. Pilate said to them, Jesus answered, My kingdom, verse 36, is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. And then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. And for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. You see, not only do we shortchange the truth when we rush it, but we also shortchange the truth when we try to force it and press it into our immediate concerns. You know, guys, this is, this is what we like to do. I'm just being honest. I like to do this. I, I don't really want to know what the Bible says unless it impacts my life today. Right? How's it going to help me pay my bills? How's it going to help me get along with my family? How's it going to help me? What can it do for me? I, I, I feel that pressure all the time as a preacher and a pastor. Thankfully, I serve a Berean congregation that wants to hear the Word of God. But from time to time, you'll hear people say and hear people talk and hear people encourage you to say, you know, you've really got to do your best to make everything the Bible says practical. What do we mean, make the Bible practical? So, so in other words, what we're saying is it's Matt Alexander... 33 years old from Boaz, Alabama. It's my job to come in here and to adjust what God's told you to make it practical for your life. Brothers and sisters, every word of God, every word of the Scriptures, every jot and tittle of the Bible is like sweet honey from the comb. We don't need to make the Bible practical. We just need to read the Bible. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I, I want to make sure that you understand the Scriptures. I want to try to apply it readily. Don't mishear me. But if we always come to the Bible, if we always come to the truth with our immediate concerns in play, we will always miss the truth. Because sometimes, you may not believe this, sometimes God wants to address needs that you have that you don't know you have. What makes us be so prideful to think we even know all our needs? I've got three kids, and I can promise you the needs that Whitney and I know they have and the needs they think they have are radically divergent. That is a different list altogether, my friends. That's two different lists. Y'all understand what I mean? Pilate was so focused on what was best for him that he wasn't really concerned about the truth. All all. 
all Pilate wanted to know is, are you a threat to Caesar? And therefore, are you a threat to my own power? Are you going to rile these Jewish people up and cause me a problem? Am I going to have issues down the line? Am I going to be, you know, sweating this year in my performance review because of what happened with some carpenter from Nazareth at the Passover this year? He's so focused on that which is fading and temporary that he misses a truth that could have impacted him forever. The date 476 AD wouldn't have meant anything to Pilate. But many of us here today, we know that's the year Rome fell. That's the year that any power, and Pilate was deposed and exiled way before this. He, he chose the wrong king, I can tell you that. But the reality is, eventually, any power Pilate had disappeared from the face of the earth. And our Lord Jesus Christ lives and reigns today. We miss the truth when we adjust it. We miss the truth when we shortchange it. And we miss the truth when we choose to ignore it. We miss the truth when we ignore the truth Notice what Pilate does here, verse 37. Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? See, one way we ignore the truth is by dismissing the truth. As Jesus tries to explain to Pilate that he is indeed a king who bears witness to the truth, but, but that he's the kind of king who has a kingdom who's, that's not of this world. He says, wouldn't we be fighting you if we were trying to overthrow the government, if I was some sort of a revolutionist, if I'm, I'm trying to start a revolution here? Don't you think that's what I would be doing is fighting? But Jesus says, no, we're, we're not fighting. He simply says, I'm a king. My kingdom is not of this world. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate, rather than engaging with Jesus, instead glibly dismisses the very idea by saying, what is truth? What a haunting sentence. What a dismissive self-indictment. And what a portrait of the spirit of the age right here in America in 2018. Where instead of owning these issues, instead of facing these issues, instead of dealing with these issues, we've collectively as a society said, as a society said, what is truth? You can ignore the truth. You can dismiss the truth. You can pretend you're not responsible for the truth. It's exactly what Pilate tries to do here. He's uncomfortable with this decision. He tries to have Jesus released in chapter 19. Here's the reality. He's uncomfortable with it, but he tries to make it someone else's issue. You know, he later washes his hands as a picture of, of him dismissing this, of him saying he's not responsible for the truth. And, and the thing he does here is... He tries to get them to release Jesus themselves. And so he gives them the opportunity to release this innocent man. And yet the pragmatism and the practicality and the power keep Pilate from doing the right thing 
Instead, he gives them the opportunity to release Jesus. And instead, they cry out for Barabbas. This word robber can also mean an insurrectionist, a revolutionary, a terrorist. And so, they ask for this man, who is the threat to Pilate, who ought to be in jail, a genuine criminal. And Pilate thinks... That he's ignoring the truth here by pretending he's not responsible for it. And yet the blood, no amount of water, no amount of shifting blame, no amount of ignoring, allows us to avoid the truth. Brothers and sisters, aren't we all asking the same question as Pilate? Aren't we all in one way or area or another trying To avoid the truth? Are some of you even now at this very moment knowing that there's that sin you ought to repent of? That thing you ought to stop doing? That situation where you ought to be the first person to reach out in? That bitterness? That bitterness that you know you need to get rid of in your heart? In your soul? And perhaps there's some of you even now who have been haunted by the gospel for years, knowing that you should repent and believe in Jesus, knowing that you've been a good churchgoer your whole life, knowing that the outside of the cup is perfectly clean, that you're great with the man-made rules, but knowing deep down inside that you've never truly and fully trusted Jesus for the first time. But you keep asking yourself, does it really matter? You're hiding from the truth. You're adjusting the truth. You're shortchanging the truth. You're focused on your needs today and not your needs a trillion years from now. Same thing Pilate did. He's so worried about small change local Roman politics that he can't see the king of the world when he looks him in the eyes. He's so worried about Caesar that he can't see the king of the universe, the king of the cosmos. He's so worried about a Caesar who's going to reign for another 500 years that he can't see the one who will reign forever. Are you so worried about temporary concerns, about small change, local, tiny, small things that you can't see the big and glorious vistas of the gospel right before you? Have you ignored Jesus? Have you put Jesus to the side? Have you adjusted Jesus? Have you pushed Jesus away for so long that you're afraid the day may come where though you seek it with tears, repentance cannot be found? Brothers and sisters, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. How long long will you ignore the truth of God? We adjust it. But there he is. We shortchange it. But there he is. We ignore it. But there he is. We add our voice to the resounding chorus of people around the world, including Pilate himself. And we ask the question, what is truth? But there he is, waiting for you. Arms open wide, prepared to receive you to his table.
prepared to receive you into His kingdom if you would only put your faith and trust in Him. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus for the first time, this altar is open for you. I'd love to pray with you. If you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, I believe God will save you here today. Second of all, you may be a believer. You may say, preacher, I've been ignoring the truth. I've not been living this life like I should. This altar is open for you, and I'd be happy to pray for you this morning. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you so much for Jesus, and we thank you for his gospel. And, Lord, we pray today that you would move among us, and that if there's anyone here, God, who has business to do with you, Lord, we pray that you would move in their hearts and they would respond to you in faith today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.